Well, my wife is here with me, and um, we've been married for 20 years, 20 years. She is blessed. Um, I'm kidding. I'm the blessed one. Here's my tribe, by the way. Here's my family. We have a bunch of girls in our household, four girls, and we actually had that, get this, we had four girls under the age of two when they were first born. We had a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and twins were zero. It's because we're such good planners. We... We used, ladies, you seen a double stroller? We had a triple stroller and one on a leash. Don't judge me. Look at y'all judging me. And um, now they're all in college and a lot of estrogen in my house. A lot of girls. So, so, sometimes I just walk in the house and I just start crying for no reason. Just, ah! So we got a male dog. His name's Buddy. And I don't think he's a dog. If a dog can fit in your purse, it's not really a dog. Come on, let's just be honest. I'm glad to be here in Oklahoma City. I was not prepared for the cult. I'll just tell you that. Um, but I am grateful for what God's doing in this church. Come on, clap your hands if you love your church. Turn and tell somebody, I'd be the best looking person in the room if it wasn't for you. Come on, tell your second choice. I'm glad you're here. Any married people in the house? Any married people? Married people? Awesome, awesome. Watch this, watch this. Uh, single people always make noise. Any single people in the house? All the wives of the married people are like, why you didn't scream? Why you didn't scream when he said you married? You're going to make some noise? Like, ah, you know. One more hand, one more time. Raise your hand if you're single. Single, single, raise your hand. Every campus, raise your hand, raise your hand. All right, all right. Look around. See what you're working with. <laughs> Somebody's like, call me. <clears throat> I love it. Anybody, anybody married that you married your opposite? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Isn't that funny how it works out? Okay, look at me. Look, look at me. Um, uh, this is true. You agree with this. That before marriage, opposites attract. And after marriage, opposites attack. <laughs> Ladies, you remember when you're, when you're looking at your man, you're telling your girlfriends like, oh my God, Becky, Veronica, he is perfect. He's so chill. He's so chill. And now you get married, it changes. You're like, that boy ain't chill. He's lazy. I can't get him to do nothing around the house. And guys, you remember you told all your bros, you're like, man, this girl, I need this girl. I need her in my life. She's so organized. I need that. You get married, that changes. You're like, she ain't organized. She is a control freak. That's what she is. <laughs> Why does it change, though? Why does it change? Remember when you were first dating? If you remember talking on the phone, you would talk on the phone for hours. What y'all talk about? Nothing. Sometimes you just breathe. <sighs> you still there? Yeah. Listen, I got to go to work in the morning. I got to go. Okay, okay, okay. All right, well, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, 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 you hang up. No, I'm high. You hang up. All right, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to hang up on three. One. Two. Three. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Like we would just, we couldn't wait to hang out. And then if you really love somebody, you made them a mixtape. Come on, where are my 90s people at? I'm not talking about a playlist. That didn't take any, that didn't take any work. You had to love somebody to make a mix. You had to get two blank tapes, put those bad boys in a boom box, and press three buttons, play, record, and pause. And then you just had to wait for your song to come on. You waited for an hour just to hear, let's chill and let's settle down. 
Cause that's what I wanna do. Just me and you, let's chill. I mean, you would wait for that song. Then the announcer would come on, that was Guy, let's chill. Oh, and you press pause because you didn't want that. And if you made a copy of the copy, of the copy, you, lo- you lost quality, didn't you? you made, you're like, I'm going to make a, a couple more of these. And then pretty soon it sounded like it was singing underwater, like. <laughs> then you wait for your next song. I only think of you. Come on. On two occasions, that's day and night. I'll go far, bro. If I could be with you. It was with you. Which, not W-I-T-H, like it was W-H-I-C-H, which you. <laughs> Your friend's like, are, are you sure she's the one? You're like, if it isn't love, why does it hurt so bad? Make me feel so sad. <laughs> Inside. That's <laughs> so dumb. Her, Pastor Herbert, Pastor Timmy, let me tell you how unsaved your church is right now. If you know the song, sing it out. All my life, I pray for I thank God. Come on. All my life, I pray for someone like you. And I hope that you feel the same way, do. That's the song right there. And then, and then, watch this. You get married, and it changes. Song change. We don't even talk anymore. We don't even know what we argue about. Don't even say I love you no more. Saying how we feel is no longer allowed. What happened? Less. <laughs> this church is fun. <laughs> Something changes when you get married to the point where what you loved about your spouse now gets on your last nerve. Like if, if he breathes one more time, I will take this fork and shove it in his Adam's. I mean, like you've had some thoughts. What I love about your pastors is that they want to invest in your relationships. Here's the problem. We grew up. And we all have relationships, single or married, but nobody taught us how to have healthy ones. So look at me, look at me. Both camp, all campuses, we're winging it. That's what we're doing. We're just all trying to wing it. And nobody's taught us how to have health. I love your pastors and I love God's word because he shows us how to have healthy relationships like God intended. Can I hear a good amen? amen. All right, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. Take some notes. I heard that 95% of people that take notes go to heaven, so... <laughs> Here's, I don't know why Harvard did a study. Harvard said this. Harvard said one out of three marriages end in divorce. Okay, you wouldn't take those stats anywhere else. You wouldn't go to the airport today, get on a plane, and they said, uh, one, of, one out of every three of these planes is going down. Uh, your turn to board. You'd be like, nope, I'm driving. You wouldn't go to a restaurant that said, hey, one out of three people that eat this meal die. Mm-mm, I'm fasting. I'm just fasting right now. And yet we take these odds with marriage and don't do anything to change the odds. They did do a study, secular college, said if you pray together, 
discuss the Bible together, attend church together, serve together, that number goes from one and three, watch this, get ready to clap, to one out of every 1,026. Anybody grateful God's word works? Well, we want to help you, all right? Romans chapter 12, verse 10, Paul is writing. He says, listen, we ought to love one another. Like, be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourself. Somebody shout one another. Come on, every campus, one another. The idea of being devoted to in love, watch this, in the original language that the Bible's written, it gives this connotation of what a mother feels for her child, that almost indescribable affection that one has for her child. And it's a delight to do so. Like my kids, a couple weeks ago, I had to go to the emergency room. I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious right now? Like you make sacrifices for your family and it's not a sacrifice because you love them deeply. Pastor Chris Hodges is our pastor and he tells a story about a couple and they came to him for counseling. There was an affair on the wife's part and they came in a few sessions and after a while the wife said, you know what, this just isn't going to work. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, we're going to divorce. So he, they get up, they leave. She comes back and says, oh, sorry, totally unrelated. Um, do you have anything to help people with drugs and alcohol? Because my brother, uh, this guy's been in prison, in and out of prison, comes to our house, steals from us. Do you have anything to help with that? And Pastor Chris said, yeah, we do. We have small groups, which by the way, everybody needs a small group, not just people who are struggling with addiction. We all need it. Can I hear an amen? But he said, let me ask you a question. Why is it that when it comes to your brother, you have so much grace? He's in and out of prison, stealing from you, and yet you keep helping him, and you are there for him continually. And she, she laughs. She, oh, Pastor, he's blood. And all of a sudden, he realized that we define relationship differently. We define marriage oftentimes as disposable, but family is blood. I'm just here to tell you, let's redefine the relationship. Bible, the Bible through Romans is saying you ought to love one another like family. And then to honor one another above yourself. This is hard because we are selfish. Let me be vulnerable for a second. This is how selfish I, I was, am, are, is. We're driving from L.A. to San Francisco one time, and I asked my wife, would you like something to eat? I'm hungry. Not just hungry, I'm hungry. Would you pull in a drive-thru? She says, no. Okay, let's review. I said, would you like anything? She says, okay, one more time for review. I said, would you like anything? She says, okay, so I, I took that as a no, guys. And so I bought a cheeseburger, fries, and a drink. We get back on the freeway, and guys, help me out. You know exactly what she said about a mile down the road. She said, can I have a bite? I'm, and I stopped. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Uh, see, I, I had asked you if you wanted something. You, you said no. I didn't say no. You said no. And now you want a bite of my cheese. See, here's the problem. There's only so many bites in a cheeseburger. And they're all mine. Matter of fact, the drink is mine. The fries are mine. Even the fries that spilled out on the bottom of the bag, those are mine too. So you guys are so judgy right now. You're looking at me. I shared, but I didn't like it. We're selfish by nature. And so here's what the Bible is teaching us. To, to be devoted to people like family, one another, and then love them, honor them above yourself, put their needs first before your own. This is tough. This is so tough. And, and we have so many things that come in our life to try and divide that. But let me tell you, this is a pretty big subject to God 
Matter of fact, let me show you a couple verses in the Bible. Just look at the screen. You won't be able to write all these down. Just listen. The Bible says, be at peace with one another. Love 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 one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Wait for one another. Serve one another. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Don't lie to one another. Forgive one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Encourage one another. Confess to one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another deeply offer hospitality to one another serve one another love 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 one okay was there a phrase that stood out to you that's just a few all right like god is really big into the one another and it's crystal clear he wants you to do life as one somebody shout what and we think when we get married when the bible says the two become one flesh we think oh so romantic two candles. We're going to light a unity candle. Mm, it's going to be amazing. We think it's like, we're going to run to each other in the lilies. I can show you the way. Like we think Disney won. Uh-uh. It's like two Mack trucks driving on the freeway, 50 miles an hour, crashing into each other. You're both from different families, different backgrounds, different, you're raised differently. And now you have to become one and love each other like family and then treat them and honor them above yourself. This is God's plan. Here's the problem. There is a devil that doesn't want this to take place. And he's going to get you to feel justified in putting yourself first. You, you know what they say. Got to look out for number one. Um, that's not in the Bible. There's a lot of things we misquote. By the way, your Bible time should not just be determined on a Facebook quote. We ought to read the Bible for ourselves. Can I hear a good amen from People's Church? So, all these commandments of the, of the Bible, we can't even do unless we're one. Like, we can't even obey God unless we are one. And, and this is not, you're not going to want to do this. Because nothing inside of you feels, ooh, I, wanna, I just want to serve somebody. I just want to put them first. No, I'm fighting to get the front of the drinking fountain. I want the last cookie. I want the biggest slice. Ah, me. <clears throat> and in practical ways, we got to learn this because here's why. why. The devil's scared. He's not scared of who you are. He's scared of who you might become if you unite. Look at me, everybody. It's so critical that in this moment, as a church, we stay united around the vision, around the calling, around God's purpose, or with each other, because what we cannot accomplish what God wants for this church and for Oklahoma without unity. Amen. Let me show you this in the Bible. Psalm 133. The Bible says how good and pleasant it is for God's people, say people's church, to dwell together in, shout it out, everybody. Come on, every campus, shout it out. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard. This is the anointing of God. The oil of God represents the anointing. Running down the edge of his garments, for there the Lord commands a blessing, life forevermore. My friend Mark helped me understand this and see this very clearly, that many times we pray for the anointing. Oh, send the anointing. Oh, we need the anointing. Anointing fall on me. We need the anointing. It's the power of God that fulfill purpose. And here is a clue that you don't have to pray for the anointing. Matter of fact, if you read the scripture, 
God says, if you just stay united, I will keep you anointed. If you stay united, I'll keep you anointed. Remember the lady who reached out and touched the hem of Jesus and she was healed? She couldn't get to his head on that day. She only, where did she grab him? The edge and the hem of his, thank God his whole body was anointed that day. Can I tell you, Jesus still wants his whole body anointed. You may not be able to get to the head of this church, the pastors, but you don't need to. That anointing runs down from Jesus to the pastors, to every small group leader, to the parking lot team, to the greeting team. We ought to understand if we walk in unity, I'm telling you, the Lord says, I will command a blessing. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. God says, I will command a blessing where there's unity and no devil in hell can stop or thwart the blessing of God. Come on, you ought to clap your hands and thank him for his grace today. I'm preaching about 65% better than you're saying amen at People's Church. God wants to give this anointing to you, but we have to stay united. And the reason the enemy attacks marriage is because he hates what it represents. He hates that it represents our relationship with God. It's we're trying to divide this and come in with this. And, and many times we get confused. And let me just give this a very clear picture. Because James, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes in James 3.16. It's the opposite of our opening verse, all right? Love one another, to be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves. This is opposite. James 3.16. For wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition. Jealousy. You're, you're not loving them. You're jealous. You're not putting them first. You're selfish. This is where this is. If you want to do it, it's fine. Just know what's coming. He said, there's disorder. Why is our house so out of order right now? Well, let's take a look. Not just disorder. Watch this. Evil of every kind. Okay, okay, watch this. It gives the idea and the picture of a wedge. This is the idea. That where there's jealousy, envy, selfish ambition, where this is, a wedge is driven in between us. Watch this. And a wedge is small at, at the top. But then it's meant to drive deep into the soul to divide. So watch this. This is, the in, this is how it reads, all right? In the New Testament, the original like, language, that the devil will just wait for a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of anger, and if you don't deal with it, he's going to drive it deeper into your soul. And at the other side of the wedge, there's disorder and evil of every kind. Literally, all of hell is waiting to rush in and attack, but they're waiting for you to be divided. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting because the Bible says the devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I'm just here to tell you, God, God is in your life. The devil can't just come and possess you, but he's waiting for you to crack open a door. He's waiting for you to have a, a conflict that's unresolved. He's waiting for this to come in and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, really a wedge, it's used to split and separate. So this comes into our life, we begin to forfeit the anointing. We forfeit blessing because we want to hold on to our wedge. And many times we come to church, we smile. People are like, how you doing? Great in you, blessed and highly favored. And nobody knows that you are secretly carrying wedges of misunderstanding. Nobody knows the wedges that you bear in your soul of anger. You go to work and people think, oh, they go to church. They must have it all together. But little do they know that we are struggling with wedges on every side. Wedges of offense. 
wedges of pain, wedges of anger, wedges of gossip, wedges of shame that we have not dealt with and is over and over and over repeatedly opening up our soul to the demonic realm. I'm just telling you, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and the devil then uses that wedge to prop open the door for all of hell to come in and attack your life to the point where that goes so deep into your soul, we say things like, we used to be tight, but I used to go to church, but I used to go to small group, but we used to be married, but. And the world's even adopted this language. We were married, but now we are separated. We've acknowledged it. We've acknowledged the wage and yet refused to do anything about the wedge, I'm just telling you, the devil's plan is to kill, destroy your life, leave you vulnerable, isolated, and wounded. And many times we're like, I'm justified. I, I deserve to be wounded. I'm wounded. You don't have a right to be wounded. You have a right to be healed. Jesus died for that right. He paid for that right. Come on, anybody grateful at every campus? We have a Savior who paid the price for us to be free. He don't want you vulnerable, isolated, wounded. He wants you whole, saved, redeemed, delivered, fulfilled. And he wants us to walk in unity to carry the blessing to take the message of Jesus to the world. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said that's what he came to do. Let me tell you what I came to do. I came to give you life. It's abundant life. It's real life. It's eternal eternal life and it starts right now come on clap your hands and thank God for the real life he came to bring but we've got to take the wedge out like a splinter we've got to remove the wedge write this down to really forgive like really forgive and refuse to become offended I think one of the gifts God has given me is I don't get offended it comes but it doesn't stay and it's a huge wedge because people will hurt you Sean, can't you be more positive? All right, I'm positive. People are going to hurt you. You just get to choose whether you stay there or not. Offended? If the devil can get you offended, he can get you off course. Let me say it another way. Offended people never make it to their destiny. You can have your offense or you can have your destiny, but you cannot, you will not have both. So you pick which one is greater to you. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 says it this way. He says in Colossians 3, let's go there on the screen. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Forgive? I want to scratch this part out of the Bible. As the Lord forgave you. Okay, let's think about how God forgave us. All right, all right, um, he did not say, I will forgive you, but I will never forget. That's what we say. God says, I forgive you totally, completely, unconditionally. And now... Turn around and forgive somebody else the same way that I forgave you. Proverbs 19.11 says, it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. It's crazy. Because if we're not careful, we will forfeit the blessing of God. We'll forfeit the anointing because we're not walking in unity. And we know what it's like to replay the tapes over and over and over. Don't replay the tapes. Destroy the tapes. Destroy the evidence. How many are grateful God destroyed the tapes? How many grateful God destroyed the evidence? Come on, Micah 7, 19 says he takes our sin, casts that sucker into the depths of the sea. It's not worth it to forfeit the anointing and purpose of God. Well, how do we do this? Who's our example? Jesus. Come on, Jesus was on a cross. On a cross, guys, nails in his hands and his feet, bleeding there, hanging, and he's like, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Okay, that, that, that's not what I would have said. I'd have been like, dead, dead. You dead. You, all y'all are dead. Lighting bolts to the armpits right now. Watch this. Not only did he say it, it was the first thing he said. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I release them. Forgive them. And we, he even put it in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. Forgive us our sins as we. Some of us have been praying judgment on ourselves all these years and didn't even know it. Because we've been praying, God, forgive me with the same measure that I've forgiven other people. Forgive me to the same degree that I've forgiven other people. How many would like to go back and reconsider that prayer? Because how have you forgiven people? What does that look like? Because we say verbally, I forgive you, but then we keep this wedge in us, and it, it does not allow us to get close to anybody else. We have this wedge in small group. We don't open up. We have this wedge wherever we go. And I'm just telling you, Jesus comes along and says, guys, Luke 17, verse 1, it's actually impossible that no offenses should come. You're going to get offended. Nobody's tattooing that on their arm. It's just up to you whether you want to stay there or not. Proverbs says this, that somebody who's offended, it's, it, it's, it's like a brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. Bar, barred gates? You know, what, you know what happens when you get hurt? You put walls up. Barred gates. You think you're protecting your heart. I'll never get hurt again. Nobody will ever hurt me. I'm not going to get close to anybody else. You think you're protecting your heart and you're really locking God out and you're locking the other people out that God is sending your way to do the healing because God brings healing in the context of relationships. James 5.16 says, confess your faults one to another and you will be healed. I'm just telling you, God's plan is that you confess to him to receive forgiveness, but if you want healing, that comes this way. You're pushing the very people away that God is using to bring about your healing. Are you not seeing this? And the scripture is very clear. If you hold on to this, it will mess your soul up. Matter of fact, in 1649, during the English Civil War, there was a guy named Oliver Cromwell. He wanted to overthrow the the British Royalist Party. King Charles I was in power. And they did. And they took King Charles I. They tried him for how he treated people. And they signed a document. 59 people signed a document to seal his execution. 11 years later, guess who came into power? King Charles' son. First order of business, find the 59 people who signed that document to kill his father. They went on a hunt to locate them. The problem was 15 of those 59 people were already dead. He said, that's not good enough. Dig them up. He had them dig up. 15 corpses. Throw their bones in a witness stand and ask, what do you have to say for yourself? You plead the fifth, guilty. And he had them hanged. Talk about digging up your past. And yet every one of us knows what it feels like in life to carry a shovel around. We go into church with a shovel. We go to our marriage with a shovel. We go to work with a shovel. 
constantly, consistently, repeatedly digging up every hurt and every wound. You know what they said. You know how they said it. You know the tone in which they said it and how they posted it on the internet. And it is messing with you. It's robbing you from the anointing, robbing you from your destiny. I'm here to tell you it is time, ladies and gentlemen, to put the shovel down. If you want God's grace, if you want God's mercy again, I'm just telling you, it's time to put the shovel down. Turn and tell two people, put the shovel down. Put the shovel down. It's not worth it. It's not worth the sacrifice, the anointing. It's not worth the sacrifice, the blessing of God. We've got to refuse to become offended. Hebrews says it this way, that it becomes a bitter root. Bitterness is like a bitter root. Anybody have weed in their backyard? Weeds, any weeds? I don't mean like weed. I got to clarify, I'm from California. <laughs> I mean like weeds. You have weeds in the backyard. Hebrews, <laughs> I love this church. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 says, see to it, see to it, see to it. Make sure, make sure, make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. There's been some trouble in paradise, some trouble in our marriage. All right, well, let's look at the bitter root. If you ever pulled roots out before, weeds out, when they're small like this, oh, it's easy. You just, boop, it's out. No big deal. How many of you have ever tried to pull a weed out with a big old root? Yeah. It's a struggle. Like you're fighting, uh, pulling, straining, striving, and many times <laughs> it breaks off at the top. And you think to yourself, I'm done. I'm done with that. I've, I'm, I'm good. Because you can't see it anymore. And little do you know that there's a whole lot going on beneath the surface you cannot see. And it will grow back. Because you dealt with the fruit, but not the root. If you don't deal with the root of bitterness and forgive... It will reach down and latch on to every relationship you have. It will affect how you view every single scenario in life, and it will keep you from your destiny. I'm just telling you, it's not worth keeping any more. And why would you give somebody that much power over your life? It's been three months. It's been three years. It's been 10 years. 50 years and you're still not over it? You still rehearse it? You still let it get to your soul? When are you going to let it go? If anybody had reason to hate people, it was Jesus. Betrayed, beaten, falsely accused, and he's like, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Let me help you with this. Forgiveness is not saying what they did was okay. It wasn't okay. That's why it hurt. My, my daughters, sometimes we would make them say, you're, say you're sorry. Sorry. They didn't really mean it. And then the other daughter would say, it's okay. And we stop them. No, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say it's okay. It's not okay. The fact that the, your other three sisters tied bed sheets together and hoist, tried to hoist you up to the second story from your neck. True story, by the way. We're great parents. <laughs> that was not Okay. Just say, I forgive you. By the way, it doesn't mean you trust them again right away. If you were sexually abused as a child, you're not going to let them watch your kids now. I'm trying to help you. If there's been some problem in the marriage, all right. You can build trust again, not impossible. It's going to take a little time. 
but you can still release this. You, you can forgive even though you never got an I'm sorry. And I'm just telling you, everybody, you don't have to have an I'm sorry. Well, they don't deserve it. Well, neither do we. I think there's a few of us in the room that are grateful God didn't wait for us to deserve it. It's not about fairness. It's about grace, mercy. Many of us are like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to, if I can give them something. This is what the, the Lord gave me. He gave me a vision of this, all right? A rope took me to a tall store, uh, a skyscraper building in San Francisco. And if I tie this around my waist, this is what the Lord said. That forgiveness is like this. I'm on top of the, the skyscraper building, and there's a piano on the other side of this rope, and it's pulling me over. Forgiveness is like, I don't want to give them something. I don't want to give them something. No, no, no. Forgiveness is not giving them something. It's releasing something that was pulling you over the ledge. Is this helping, yes or no? Bring their balance to zero, guys. Matthew 18 is about a guy who owed his master 100 bags of gold. He's like, please forgive me. Master forgave him. And then he went to some other guy who owed him like, like 100 silver coins He's like, hey, forgive me, forgive me. No, I'm not going to forgive you. Threw him in jail. And then the master heard about this guy. He's like, I forgave you? You couldn't forgive him? Are you kidding me right now? And threw him in jail. Watch this. To be tormented. Look at me, look at me. Every campus. Some of you are being tormented by the demonic realm because you refuse to bring their balance to zero. It means you don't, I don't expect payment from you. I'm not charging you anymore. For your sake, Matthew 6 says, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive you. That's in the Bible. For your own sake, release them. Let it go. How can I do this? This is what we do. Broken people do broken things. Healed people do healed things. This is what we do. By the grace of God, the forgiven forgive. The Bible says this, freely you have received, so freely give. Okay, look at me. Why do we always want to charge people for what we got for free? Why are we always trying to make somebody work for what you got for free? I'll never have to forgive somebody more than God forgave me. If you're struggling with motivation, picture God's face over their shoulder. They don't deserve it. I know, but Jesus is like, do it unto me, unto me, unto me. Whatever you do in the least of my brothers, it's like you're doing it unto me. Just forgive me. I need, I need you to get free from this. I need you to release this. I need you to put the shovel down. So, Sean, why can't you just preach as happy? Because I need you healed before I get you happy. Fight for unity. Unity, it, just, it doesn't happen. Fight for this. Your spouse is not the enemy. You get on my last nerve. I know, but that's not the problem. Your spouse is not the enemy. Your job, your boss, your friend, they're not the enemy. This is a spiritual battle. We played basketball growing up, and, 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 and there would be a loose ball, and two guys would go and fight for the ball. And they're all over the, the court, throwing elbows. Rah! And all of us would be screaming, hey, same team. Same team. Throwing elbows, screaming. Scrap. Same team. Can I tell you, the enemy's driven a wedge between you. And you're fighting each other because you think they're the enemy. Let me be the preacher that comes to you to say, same team. You're on the same team. Don't fight your spouse. Don't fight. 
Stay with unity. God wants healing to come to your life. Bring healing back. We need to do life together. Get in a small group and watch God work in your life. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Come on, clap your hands if you believe it.